the Yak Babies. Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Hair Trigger Salon. We shoot your hair. My name is Aaron here, personal pals Dave. Morning, boys. It's afternoon, thank you. And we have Brick. Top of the evening. Oh my god, okay. Time dislocation here in Yak Babies. Today's episode is about discomfort. The things we've read that made us feel eh, a little uncomfortable. You know, the the book short stories, just like even comic strips maybe that sort of you read and made you feel a little bit uh, in a good way or in a bad way or maybe an in-between way. kind of depends. Certainly there are several. Before recording, Brick and I had an ESP moment of knowing we had the exact same one to talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and do it right now. So, Brick, tell us what it is. Yeah, it's The End of Alice by A.M. Holmes. Yep. <laughs> we yeah. read that in a class together in grad school Oof. and had very similar reactions. I had a hard time getting through that book after that hot tub scene. Yeah, there's there's multiple places in that book to hop there's off. A, there's a bunch of gross scenes, but yeah. Uh, so that is a book about basically a, a young person that falls into a romantic relationship starting as a pen pal with a pedophile in prison. Yeah, it's like an epistolary novel of their correspondence as he basically trains her to become a predator. Yeah. Yep. And it and then so there's a scene. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so like you also get... So you get her stories of becoming a predator and you get sort of his backstory of what led to him becoming imprisoned and how he became a predator himself. It's like a there's there's lots of opportunity for feeling awful. <laughs> That's the structure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there's yeah. like the, the hot tub scene. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm wondering. If what Not I'm really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I do. There's 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 a very I found traumatic scene uh, about the uh the main character uh, having a flashback to uh, basically an abuse yeah. uh, the mother committed in, in a hot tub. Yeah, yeah, bad stuff. But it was it was very hard to read. Yeah, because yeah. like you're following this like young girl who becomes who's like sort of trained to become a predator, and she's like grooming a young boy, and so you're just watching this happen, and you feel complicit in the text because you're doing it along with it, right? The writing has sort of made you engage in that yourself and it feels gross but it's also extremely violent at the end too <laughs> there's there's a horrifying visceral violent conclusion that just caps it off in a bad feeling it was you felt uncomfortable the whole way and that made it a thousand times worse in the end it's a rough book a good book i think but man hard to read i don't know i'm never gonna read it yeah again. i haven't read any of the rem holmes uh, <laughs> so i don't have a lot to go on but certainly it was yeah, I mean, it was definitely one of the, the most intense experiences I've ever had. <laughs> we, you know, I didn't I didn't put some of the others on that list, but that class we took had a few baggers in this category. Uh, yeah, I think it probably called it called into question that, that professor. Yeah, was. we took two classes with that guy, and and there are a couple <laughs> of selections that we read that, uh, looking back on it, mm-hmm. yeah, you wonder. Yeah, Dave, let's hear about a, a book that made or a, a reading experience that made you feel uncomfortable, and why. I read I read Holmes's uh, story collection a couple of times. Mm. One of them called uh, "The Safety of Objects." There, oh, yeah. there were some moments yeah. in that too that were uh, kind of cringy, yeah. I guess. Adapted into a movie. There's a 2010 that was made into a movie. That story Big collection. Song, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is it? Do you? Where you? What was that called? It? Put it on my list. Uh, let me double check this, but I believe that's the case. Hmm. Um, yeah. In the meantime, there's a 2010 novel by James Hines called "Next." And I think I, I talked about this in an episode a couple of years ago that I, 
was maybe about uh, surprising endings or something. Mm. But it follows this sort of like, I would call him an unlikable protagonist who flies to Austin, Texas for a job interview. Um, a lot of internal narration. He's kind of a shitty person. But then like he makes various stops throughout the city on, you know, just like going about like getting to his interview and whatever. And like he he's picking up all these signs that there's like a looming terrorist attack mm. somewhere in the country, but he doesn't really pay any attention to it. And therefore we don't really pay any attention to it. And I, I guess I, I don't want to worry about spoilers for a book that's 15 sure. years old in the, the last 50 pages. There is in fact a terrorist attack and it happens in Austin. Mm. It may happen at spots around the U S including Austin. Right. And you know, now that we're at this point, I can't even remember exactly what happens or whether he survives it or not. But it's like an extremely intense <laughs> reading experience. Like the last, I think about 50 pages of that book, I was like, I was white knuckled right. and definitely uncomfortable. And the discomfort was just like the the realism of it or the the close to your experiences of living near Austin? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't even... I was in Austin at the time, so I read it a couple of years after it came out. There was, it was something about how easy it is to dismiss the threat mm. throughout the book, and then suddenly, without any other warning, he's like in the middle right. of it. Um, so the the realism of that, I think, was part of what was so affecting. Yeah, totally. And then I recall also a sense of an escape, inescapability, if that's a word. Yeah. It was it was harrowing. Yeah, like the feeling of wanting to read more, but not wanting to experience more. Like sort of feeling like you're trapped in the prose as the prose is keeping you gripped, but also you're experiencing things that are not fun. Yeah, I felt trapped in like that kind of a situation yeah. with a, a, with somebody I didn't really care for, but like you know realizing that there was no way out of it. So like there was something fatalistic about it too. Yeah. It just seemed like, you know, if you're caught up in such an attack, that's exactly how it would happen. And I don't even remember the details, just the feeling that it left right, me with. Right. I had to reread that again, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a question maybe for you two that's emerging from this conversation. There's more examples we'll share, but like, I, uh, now I'm thinking about discomfort and that feeling is it, is it always negative for you? Uh, when you're reading a book or a story or something like that and you experience discomfort, is it always something that you are, that's a problem or do you sometimes like or even seek out that discomfort in your reading right yeah well i mean to answer that question i'll give you a little preview mm. of my next i have two i have two yeah. more to share one of them one of them is easily the worst book i ever read and one of them is my favorite books okay yeah so mm. so sometimes <laughs> sometimes no no so let's do is it my turn yeah yeah or just yeah great you know, so in. on the I mean, maybe we even had an episode of Worst Books You Ever Read. So, something like that. I, yeah. I mentioned this book before. It's, it was called A Young Girl's Crimes. Oh, yeah. It was a book that was sent to me as like a preview copy when doing uh, Chamber 4 or whatever. Yeah. Or a, something. And it, it was just it was just awful. It, it was meant to be some sort of... I don't know what it was meant to be, but it was just full of like horrific, violent rapes and necrophilia and, and all this messed up stuff. It's just an awful book. Yeah. I'm happy to report that I just tried to Google it to find out the author's last name, and it, it appears to no longer be remembered on the internet. <laughs> oh, God. His name was David. Like, Durr? Oh, my God. Red, 
no Resnick or Ransack or something. I don't know. It just didn't you have some sort of communication with him? He might have been one of the authors that responded to. We we had a couple uh, tete a tetes in the comment section of Chamber Four when when authors took took issue with. I don't know if he was one of them or not. I can't remember. But it was just a horrible book. But there was the, it was like it was. There was something from like the real world in that. It book. was Bible. Like, it was Bible. Said quote. that it was really his. Mm. And then I so I believe when we talked about it on whatever the worst books you ever read episode was, we we did a little research into him, and he was like he was like. Uh, substitute teacher at the time he wrote the book and then he went on the run or, or something weird like that where he went went to Canada. I, I can't remember. We'll have to go back and listen to that episode again. Yeah. I mean, the guy's clearly unwell and probably a, a predator. It, the book right. was positioned as like a shocking, a shocking look at, it was supposed to like be a mashup of the Bible and the Marquis de Sade and it was, it was just this, like it was just rape and torture porn. It was yeah. an awful, awful book. And it, it made me uncomfortable from the start because, like, there's one scene where this this like young kid murders her nanny and then sodomizes the body. And that was in like the first <laughs> ten pages. Christ. Yeah, and it's like, okay, what am I reading here? Luckily, the book was like 120 pages, and I got through it pretty quick. And then I, you, and my reviews on Chamber Four, you you can find it on the archive if you're interested. Right. Don't read the book though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do not do anything to return that text memory to the collective internet. Let's just keep that in its weird. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I think I don't want to read A.M. Holmes again, but I think there's literary value to that book, right? And yeah. there's literary value to the to the one I'll mention when my turn comes up again. But things that are just gross for the sake of being gross or violent for the sake of being violent, that seem to, like, enjoy it, yeah. you know? Like, I love I love horror movies. I don't want to watch anything by Eli Roth. Mm. You know, I, I, that doesn't, I don't like it, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a, a, a good you, question. If you do, then then fine, but I, I don't. Yeah, I guess like kind of a related question to that too. And the uh, fall for the priest was: Do you seek stuff out that's going to make you uncomfortable? Like going to see Hostel, you know that's going to be unpleasant, or going. I saw Hostel in the theater, and someone brought a young child to it, <laughs> and they were sitting in the theater, and it was the entire experience was uncomfortable. Right. But we were talking about Twin Peaks yesterday, and season three of Twin Peaks is, I think, very upsetting. You know, like with yeah. any show like that, there's moments of levity and moments of fun, too. But especially the last, like, three episodes or so, it just gets dark as fuck. And it makes you feel bad. I mean, I feel I felt bad after watching it. But I think I was supposed to. Me too. And I, I trust David Lynch to to take care of that because I, I, I guess he has a reputation. I, you know, I've liked this stuff before, but I didn't choose it because I wanted to be upset, but I enjoyed the discomfort that came with it because it felt appropriate to the subject matter. And it felt like there was a purpose to it. Right. But there's a, there's a interesting line. Like the, the guy you're talking about also wanted to upset you, but that's annoying and frustrating. Whereas a master yeah, like Lynch, because he, he wasn't any good. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dave, what about you? Do you seek out stuff that's going to like make you, like squirm a bit or is it just kind of like something that happens because you read a lot especially a lot more contemporary stuff these just kind of happen to you yeah i think it happens i don't often you know i don't ever go seeking a book that is meant to mm. make one uncomfortable if i hear of one and it sounds interesting then yeah i will i'll take a look there was a, a novel a few years ago in translation called mm. fever dream by samantha schweblin she's an argentine or argentinian writer which is the and i heard that like all the reviews are like you know this book is mm. creepy as fuck so i got it because of that so i guess in that case you know i wasn't seeking specifically a book 
like that. But when I heard about it, I was like, oh, it's, you know, right. I'll pick it up and read it. And it did definitely right. made me uncomfortable in a, in a way that yeah, was that could be a good experience and a fun one, but it can also turn against you <laughs> when it's not fun the way that you would hope or when the author's intent is to make you feel bad and you right. just feel bad and it's not artistic or satisfying. It's just gross. One that I could think of that I, I've talked about before, I believe in this podcast because it sticks out in my memory as one of my favorite reading experiences was it was a backup story in a comic called House of Mystery. It was a, a relaunch of House of Mystery in the late 2010 or the early 2010s, I guess, like maybe 2011, something like that. This comic was written by Lila Sturgis and drawn by the backup was drawn by Gene Haw. And the the main story was good. I liked that comic a lot. It was a fun story. But the backups were always really cool. And they were kind of tangential to the main story and sometimes would tease out elements that would come later on the main story. It was a great read. And this one was narrated directly to you, the reader. So it was breaking the fourth wall. The character was talking to you. And he's a serial killer and telling like a mass murderer. And he's telling you he's gonna he's in a mall. And he's like, I'm gonna kill everyone in this mall. Kind of explains why and like what his like nihilistic philosophy is. But he's mentioning he's like, but you're a part of this. Like if you turn the page, it's gonna happen. Like when you turn the page, like I'm gonna start killing. Oh, yeah. And you can stop this if you want to. You don't have to turn the page. But if you do, just so you know, it's like you're you're the one controlling the narrative here. It's not I'm a character, you're the one who's reading it. And I remember reading it and thinking like this is a moral quandary. Like I do have to like, think about this. Like, do I want to turn the page? And I did. And he fucking kills everyone. And I felt really bad. And you know, the guy turns, it's like this really gross, you know, bloody scene. And the guy's like, I told you, like you, you did what you wanted and you got it. And it was really satisfying, but punishing. Right. I felt shame for having done it, but also I felt like I'd played the game according to what the author's rules were and, and was punished accordingly. I remember talking to the author on Twitter years later and explaining, I was like, this comic really, I think about it a lot. It really fucked me up and it's, it's memorable. And they were like, I'm not sure it's a good thing or a bad thing about you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's probably a good question to ask. Like, why do I remember that thing so effectively? But I, I do love that kind of metafiction in comics, especially Grant Morrison has a similar issue of a comic called Multiversity, where the character is that there's a living evil entity in the comic and it activates as you read it. And so the character is telling you like to stop reading it basically. And like the more you turn the pages, the more you sort of feed the evil. And it's a really, it's not as visceral as the first one, but it's a really good read. And the art is by Doug Monkey, who's a great sort of upsetting kind of artist. Any others you can think of other upsetting uncomfortable reads you uh, want to share with our listeners you know it occurs to me that i'm undergoing mm. one right now so we're for group read we're going to be talking soon about tony right. morrison's beloved so it's a book that this is my i don't know fourth or fifth reading of the book and i so you know i know it well and i know you know not that i have the whole thing memorized and there are still some plot elements and moments that uh, i don't remember but, you know, I know the big moments right. as they come, and I know the ones that are still ahead of me. And in a way, there's some discomfort in that. It's like, you know, I know what's coming, and I can't right. stop it. Right? Like, I mean, I could stop it by not continuing to read. I mean, similar, I guess, to your turning the page in that comic. But, you know, I'm going to keep reading, and there's nothing I can do to stop the things that I know that are ahead of right. me. You know, with a novel, it's like, or any kind of book, it's like, you know, eternal recurrence. Everything is going to happen the same way in the same order 
every single time you read it. Unless it's a choose your own adventure. So if you have an, a reading experience like that with a story that just, you know, kind of tears you up, then th- yeah, there's some discomfort in, in revisiting Yeah, choosing that. to revisit it, knowing what it's going to feel like and what's going to happen and opting for that as opposed to when you're a first time reader, you don't know what to expect or don't necessarily know what's coming. And so, I don't know blameless i guess are, are less at mm-hmm. fault if you keep going whereas if you know it then you have some responsibility for continuing the read yeah brick others yeah no i have on my list of pedophilia related books <laughs> <laughs> well it just so happens that's what my three were lolita is one of my favorite books but there's a lot in that book that will churn your stomach yeah i true. think even when you know how to read that book which is as criticism and, and as satire of, of society as opposed to dwelling in the things. A lot of the horrible stuff is counterbalanced with a really dark humor that if you don't want to approach it that way is also pretty stomach churning and upsetting. There's there's a lot in there. There's a lot of there's a reason why a lot of people hate that book. Right. And and, and that's okay. And so there's a number of scenes that are that are very, very upsetting. For me, the most upsetting scene is is not one that involves like an inherently sexual act. Dave, I know you're reading this. I think you probably, depending on... Yeah, go uh, ahead. There's a scene where, uh, this is like well before any sort of interactions happen between Humbert and and, and Dolores. And he's, you know, he's kind of doing all the things about how I'm a spider in my web. And he's he's sort of like meticulously watching around the house and and longing for and all this, this gross stuff. Uh, she gets an eyelash in her eye, and he calls her over, and then he licks the eyelash out of her eye yeah. with his tongue. And that that scene is is deeply unsettling for me more than than some much more like horrible things that happen later. Just the way that scene's presented is just you know it, it kind of raises the hair on the back of your neck. Yeah, but I still love the book. Sure, I mean that's another another example of a the literary merit earns the discomfort, or it's, it's part of it, right? You're supposed to feel that way. It's a you know a book that's an indictment and so you should yeah. feel the punishment as you read it and right. not done for cheap thrills this is a weird one <laughs> i don't know <laughs> this is exactly how it fits the, the rubric but there was this book of like single panel comic strips by a cartoonist named b kleban kleban it's k-l-i-b-a-n that my parents had a copy of and was the title was it was titled whack your porcupine and mm. exactly and it was on a shelf in our house and i was told i, I think i discovered it at some point and i was like what's this because it was like look at comic strips i wanted to read it because i was a big comic strip reader, as we know beetle bailey was it the naughty shelf well no but it was like tucked away where it's like you weren't supposed to have access to it and so i pointed out to my mom and she said oh that's not for kids don't read that which of course is the you know a classic parent yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah a total own goal so as soon as I could, uh, I, when I, there was no one around or whatever, I accessed Wacky or Porcupine. And it's not really naughty at all. It's like just like dumb, it's like far side lesser kind of strips, right? It's just like little like single panel gags. They're a little absurdist. There might be like, I seem to recall like large breasted women kind of, but it's not anything bad really at all. And so the discomfort was how confusing it was to read this. Yeah, here's what I'm thinking of. So there's one that's like a guy wearing sort of like dark sunglasses and ha- has a cane and he has two women on each arm and they're both wearing like lingerie. And there's a cop kicking a blind man out of the way and the, the cop is saying, out of the way, you swine a cartoonist is coming. Like that's the level of humor we're talking about with Whack Your Porcupine. But it was like, 
the failure of narrative where I couldn't understand why I was not allowed to read this. There must be something wrong with this, but I'm getting a chance to read it now and I don't feel anything, but also I should be feeling something. It was a strange, like surreal emotional experience of like, I'm getting away with something, but I'm actually getting away with nothing because there's nothing to be gotten away with. It was just a weird, they must've saw the title, whack your porcupine. I assume they got it as like a gag gift from someone or like my mom, like the far side and someone gave her this gift or maybe she bought it for herself. They can be the same thing. Saw the title, whack your porcupine, thought it was a sexual reference, which I don't think it is. And then it was therefore, yeah, put in the quote unquote naughty shelf, but it is very much not naughty, but it just created a thing, even like thinking about it in my head still and seeing the cover, it's a, you know, horizontally, you know, it's not like a, it's like a long shape. I don't know how to describe what I'm talking about. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's doesn't, it's not normal book shape, but the cover is white has a drawing on it of a guy hitting a porcupine with a stick. And it says in green font, whack your porcupine. Uh, seeing it just makes me feel weird as an adult, like as a 40 year old, I'm just like, Oh yeah. Right. Forbidden fruit of B. Kleban who died, I believe recently. So, yeah. <laughs> How do you know that? Cause I, I looked him up a while back and I mean, I was keep talking. it up on B. Kleban. <laughs> Yeah, the Twitter alert. I know because I killed him. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty three is the worst year. We lost B. Kleban. Bowie died. Prince died. B. Kleban died. <laughs> you know, the the people who made it okay to be weird. So that's that's mine. Uh, Dave, you got any more? Have we mentioned any nonfiction? I've got some some breaking some breaking news here. Nico has answered the question. Ooh, uh, the books oh, that make him most uncomfortable are anything featuring characterization. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, that's good. Dave, you're saying, have you mentioned any nonfiction books? Oh, yeah. It feels we like we, yeah, um, we just talked about fiction. But I was... Um, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, think about that along the way. I mean, there's like, there's plenty of stuff in the nonfiction world. And I tend to read more fiction. Um, but like, nonfiction that shows, you know, how things are in this country, I guess, for a lot of people. Like one book that comes to mind... <clears throat> excuse me, it's called Evicted, which made a lot of noise when it came out somewhere yeah. just south of 10 years ago, probably. And it's about, you know, housing nightmare that is Milwaukee uh, and segregation in that city. And it's just like, it's fucking horrible to read the accounts of how people have to live and how they're treated by right. landlords. And then, you know, topped off by the fact that I'm from Milwaukee. So there's like that proximity thing two that made it even that much more uh affecting for me it's like you know i had this rather pleasant upbringing and you know just down the street from me people are living in horrible conditions and being treated like shit right in large part because of their skin color and the inescapable situation for them in what is one of the most highly segregated cities in the country yeah so it's definitely uncomfortable reading that book yeah that makes me think of also Um, five days of memorial uh mm-hmm. which was the account of that hospital in new orleans yeah. uh where the head doctor or one of the head doctors euthanized a bunch of patients they couldn't evacuate and it was you know led to a court case and there was i think just recent developments in it too uh but yeah very uncomfortable to read that because it's you know makes you confront the questions you don't have to everyone have to ask yourself yeah uh, how the world was passed was mm. probably I think it was one of the best books I read either last year or the year before whenever I read it. But it 
forces you to kind of confront some things, especially reading it as a white man. Right. That, that are, you know, uncomfortable for, for good reasons, but also, well, not for good reasons, but for... It's good to be reasons. uncomfortable uh, yeah. to, to face those things. Yeah, so there's one. And, you know, and we, we group read I'll Be Gone in the Dark. That, that was a yeah. deeply unsettling book, not just for the depictions of, of like, you know, the, the, the crime documents or, or whatever, that when she would go through kind of the theory of the case, but right. also, like, her own descent into sort of her obsession, and it, it, was, it was upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I think true crime is a genre that, obviously is filled with that kind of stuff and they're obviously aficionados but can also make you feel a little scuzzy when you read it or consume it because it's exploited to some extent for sure that's interesting you mentioned mem or non-fiction day because i don't read a lot of non-fiction or when i do it's like mostly books about music and stuff mm. so i don't read a lot of like memoir i don't read a lot of like historical stuff like that but i think you're right those are genres that are rife with discomfort and that's part of what memoir what makes memoir such an effective and popular genre now i think is that sort of sharing of those traumas and you know sort of showing that it happens to a lot of people you know the kind of relatability of those discomfortable moments well listeners let's hear your suggestions or recommendations question mark not sure you call it a recommendation but sort of like your experiences that have led you to feel discomfort uncomfortable or discomfort in your reading you can email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with those thoughts and ideas you can also share with us on patreon patreon.com slash yakbabies where we have our second bonus podcast hosted for one dollar a month that's all we're asking you can access to tons of wild stuff we got uh, jokes there and brother episodes emi machine games where we translate things through various different combinations of translators and try and guess and it's a lot of fun but also whole separate episodes are our series about jokes and candy and, and all kinds of fun there movies commentary tracks if you want to listen along while we watch from hell you can do that if you're so inclined it's all there like i said for that dollar a month and then our merch tinyurl.com slash jackbabies where we have t-shirts posters other kinds of designs by brick they're all funny and worth your dollars until then yak babies yakking off the yak babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners and especially their patrons both past and present including michael bonnie sebastian david roger kathleen bailey andrew gilbert and william howard taft (laughs) Oh, <laughs>